0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com.
4: I'm Donna McKechnie, and this is The Fabulous Invalid.
5: Welcome to The Fabulous Invalid, a Broadway-centric podcast where we take a 360-degree view of the theater through interviews with actors, writers, directors, designers, and everybody in between. I'm Jamie Dumont, recovering marketing
3: associate, personal chef, and event planner.
0: I'm Rob Russo, writer and theater critic with Stage Left at
3: NYC. I'm Jennifer Samard, currently performing in Mean Girls on Broadway. Hi. Hi. Here we Hi. are. Yay! <laughs> Invalid in time. Yes.
5: yes. Oh, that doesn't sound good.
3: <laughs> By the way, can we just talk about what my accent did I just say Broadway? Broadway. It was a little bit Broadway. On, on Broadway. On Broadway. <laughs> Sometimes I say
5: Broadway. <laughs> right? Yes. Right. Well that's that's like my trademark. Yeah Broadway. Broadway. <laughs> you you know, you make that emphasis on multiple on things. A lot of things. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's like a Rousseau special.
0: Well, Part of my oh a yeah. jazz hand moment. You know? Yeah,
5: well, you can't see Rob's jazz mm-hmm. hand, but maybe jazz we'll take a photo. Uh, I'm gonna Instagram <laughs> that. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, today we have uh, an incredible guest joining us. That we uh, do, Donna McKechnie. Oh my um, god! I
3: mean,
6: I, you guys. Yeah, I can't even believe it. I'm a little nervous. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm. I, I I'm, can't even. It's not even
0: real to me that it's happening yet because if I if I let it be real, then I will probably faint.
5: Oh, it's.
3: Real. I'm not nervous because she's just so lovely. Yeah. Every time yeah. I've. You've worked with met, her before. No, I've oh, met, I've okay. had the privilege of meeting her, and mm. she's just she has this warmth. Yeah. I think that's just that is the, that enters the room first. Oh my gosh. You Ooh. know, so she's I, Donna McKechnie. I right. know. <laughs> Lest we forget, I as know. we were preparing,
0: and we, you know, I was doing my research. I kept being reminded of the things that she had done. I mean, starting with how to succeed in business. Like, wow, what a career!
5: Everything. I, a, I career. you know I put I I I put this on social media a little while ago when we were first talking about having her come on, I was watching Music in the Mirror and I wept. I, I wow. truly wept at the magic that was created on that stage. Mm. And I, of course, I put that on social media thinking, you know, I'm such a fool. Turns out I'm not alone. Not alone. Turns out <laughs> it's a very common thing to, to weep at a chorus line. So there's <laughs> oh, a yeah. whole legion of us out oh, there.
6: Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, should we get to it? Let's get to it.
0: Today, we are thrilled to be joined by legendary dancer, singer, actor, choreographer, and all around showstopper Donna McKechnie. Donna's first Broadway show was the original production of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Of course, she went on to create roles in Promises, Promises, Company, and State Fair, winning a Tony Award for her iconic portrayal of Cassie in a chorus line and being immortalized in the lyrics to I Want It All from the musical Baby. Welcome to The Fabulous Invalid, Donna. Hi.
4: Thank you. I'm happy
5: to be here. Did you know you were a lyric in a song? I I forgot about that, actually. (laughs)
4: I forgot about that, but it's a high compliment. Yes, it certainly is. Yeah.
0: You're one of the three Donnas, right? That's yeah. right, yeah.
4: I was yeah. on the road touring, and mm-hmm. somebody sent that to me, and yeah. I thought it was a just a great high compliment. So they didn't oh, ask your permission, no.
0: did they? No. No, I guess I'm,
4: I'm public now. There you go. <laughs> After 50 years, it's right. like you're public. Oh, that's funny. Public domain, right? <laughs> I want to know that
5: Uh, backward towards your first show, which was How to Succeed in Business. Yes. Your choreographer on that was Bob Fosse, and I'm told originally that you're... it was Hugh Lambert. Oh, It was Hugh Lambert, <laughs> but you know, as and... the
4: broad the tale goes, I mean, he, it was short lived, uh, and we loved him because he picked us. But then Bob Fosse uh, was hired, and uh, Gwen Verdon, who was between jobs, obviously, you know, was a great star. She was our dance captain. Fossey was so generous with Hugh, he said he would do it without pre-production if uh, Hugh wasn't fired, if he was kept uh, as choreographer. So at least he had the one credit for the um, the pirate dance, which was kind of incredible. <laughs> so that was that, and Fosse and Gwen, you know, Bob and Gwen just went came in every day and Worked at night, jumping up and down on their bed and, you know, chore- re-choreographing it. <laughs> I
5: love that they jumped up and down on their well, bed Well, that's what she said. Yeah. She told me that.
4: I don't know what they were doing,
5: yeah, but... might have had a double meeting, right? right. <laughs> that's funny. Do you have a favorite story from working with them or a recollection of that time on that show?
4: Um... I, I don't know if it's a favorite story. I just, uh, the whole experience to me, being my first show, and I, you know, I came to New York in kind of desperate flight out of Detroit, um, you know, and I wrote about it, and it's it's another story about the running away to become a ballet dancer, and showing my parents that I could survive because they weren't gonna, they wanted me to come back home, right? So I had to get a job. So I was one of those initially a ballet snob. Do you know what that is? The musical theater, it was all fear, but, you know, musical theater, I, I shouldn't do that. It's not good for my ballet, you know. Um, but, of course, I, I was desperate to have a job, so I auditioned. And uh, actually, I didn't audition. Uh, Cy Führ, uh, hired me to do an industrial um, and then um, in the, on the steps, in the back of a theater, the L'Enfantant, he said, would you like to do a Broadway show? We're gonna do a show soon. Would you like to be in it? And I went, oh, sure. And I thought, this is how you get a Broadway show, a producer, <laughs> you know. I soon learned that wasn't the case. But, um, so th- that was uh, th- my, my story about Psy, you know. I, I, when I got into rehearsals, and, and when you have never done anything like this before, I was so stunned by the what what it turns out to be every everyone in show business favorite you know being in the room with a collaboration of these great people, Frank lesser, um, Abe Burroughs um, and Frank, I always say this, you know was my first acting uh, acting and singing coach because he always said, do the gesture first, honey, and then sing the note
6: <laughs>
4: I, and you know I, I don't I, it works. I don't know what why that is, but um, so I was just in, in heaven with uh, all these great people, and that's when they had a chorus of uh, singers and dancers, so you had, what, 16, yes, over 16, 18 People in the room. So the the dancers danced, and the ensemble—it was a chorus. Right. It was. You had had dancing boys, dancing girls, singing boys, singing girls, and you learned everything pre-tape recorder (laughs) (laughs) and hot rollers. What can I tell you? It was like middle ages, and you had to learn. But there's something of real value that we had that we don't have now, which I miss. And I understand it, but I still miss it, is the time, the luxury of being together in a group and learning the music, harmonies and everything together. Mm-hmm. So you're not rehearsing in your bedroom, you know, trying to make up for the next day. You're, you know, so we we learned the show in the same room. And yeah, and when you rehearsed, you know, you you did it more than once when you went through something, you know, five, six times. All the good directors on Broadway. Would probably like to be able to have that time, but it's a, a constraint, you know. And Marsha Milgram Dodge uh, is um, just is a wonderful director as well, and she she just directed me and Andrea McCardle in in a show that we're doing, and we talked about that, and she said I have to choreograph, or if I'm directing, I have to do all my work, you know, mm-hmm. um, really and fast and furious. There's just no time. And, you know, I was a lucky girl to be able to work with him initially in my first show and then, you know, meet and work with Michael Bennett and have mm-hmm. all that wonderful, you know, experience collaborating with all of, you know, those his camp. Um, I say camp because I never named it that way, but it was like, you know, are you a Fosse dancer or are you a Bennett dancer? I go, they, um, you know. We're everything. <laughs> yes. uh, but I was a lucky girl to be able to go back 25 years later and work with them again. You know, yeah. So that was a full circle. Yeah.
0: Well, you just mentioned Michael Bennett just now. Uh, I believe you first met him on the TV show Hullabaloo yeah. in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people have described <laughs> you as... It's coming back, right. oh dear.
4: <laughs> Please don't. garage <laughs> booze. <laughs>
5: Some of it's on YouTube,
4: right? I know. <laughs> Thank God for YouTube. too, right? I think. Right. Uh,
0: well, people over the years have described you as being his muse, um, and he had referred to you himself as being his favorite instrument. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> How do you react yeah. to these I mean, characterizations? I
4: mean, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 that's. I guess that's a really great compliment, especially if he says it. Um, what I. I've evaluated in, in a way, uh, uh, you know, the great thing, uh, the great gift he gave me and all of us in Chorus Line, you know, the the collaborative, the sense of collaboration. And when we, you know, the, the, the truth is we were very similar in our dancing. And so when he had an idea or something he wanted to express, um, you know, in choreography, I felt very comfortable doing it. And he, uh, I guess, appreciated that because our training was, you know, similar and our style was very similar and of course uh, we it's like finishing someone's sentence and uh, it's a great feeling I'm very spoiled by the way he treated me and when I worked with Ron Field who was another great choreographer he didn't work that way so I kept you know getting in his way because I he started choreographing something and I would kind of you know follow and add to it and you would say, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> so I learned that quickly that, you know, let him do what he needs to do. And then everybody works in a different way. But Michael was very generous. You
5: just said the word collaborative.
4: We, TikTok
5: from company was a, a number that was built specifically for you, correct? And it, oh, yeah. was, it was It was designed and choreographed around your specific talents. Was that a collaborative effort as well with oh, Michael? Oh, yeah, it you always was. both worked was. on that together?
4: It always was, Yeah yeah it was yes <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I'm, I'm stopping a little because and and another thing that I I learned from Michael is that if it doesn't work I mean he will follow something through um, to make it work and if it doesn't work you know he won't give up on it and you know and it and my numbers for some reason, because they were dance numbers that came out of left field and then were in a sh- for a, a while um, they didn't work the first time out that was the same with promises as well and uh, and and a chorus line and then you you find what the need is what we have mm-hmm. what's going wrong you have, it's almost like you have to try everything before you find the right um, the, the right combination of or the elements that you're what What are you doing? Was that
3: a, true for Turkey Lurkey time, which is yeah, one of the greatest numbers? oh my gosh, we were all, like, did you know it, it was going to be a sensation, or did was it was a slow well, burn? Well, you know
4: that what I loved about it is that I, I you know, I, I love I love dancing so yeah. much. But I there were years ago when I was trying to be, you know, when pe- people put you in a little category, mm. and I wanted to act, get acting jobs, and I wanted to be a singer. I was studying all these things. And when I got Promises was my first job to get as an actress and a singer, I wasn't mm-hmm. dancing in the show.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: So anyway, the first version of Turkey Lurkey was um, well, I call it the the audience reaction was springtime for Hitler. <laughs> Talked about it before because it was god awful. <laughs> because but but the thing that's beautiful about it, when you look back, and after the success of it, was that Michael was trying so hard to be truthful in his representation. You know, um, so he, the three secretaries that weren't dancers.
1: Miss Polanski of Accounts Receivable, Miss Wong of Mimeograph, and Miss Delahoya of Petty Cash.
4: He said, "Well, you're in your." Um, this is as if you are in your living room and you're making this up on your own. It's your choreography. So this is what we'll do. We'll push the desk together. We had the dancers push the desk together. We got up, climbed up. First night, opening night in Boston. And we, went, and we had these stupid costumes that we made, supposedly. Okay. Very realistic. <laughs> and, uh, and the audience went, What? going and Michael was in the back of the theater in the Schubert theater I think and, and he was running and everybody was like melting oh mm-hmm. god the mm-hmm. end of the first act
2: it's turkey turkey time Tom
6: turkey ran away but he just came home it's turkey jer-
4: I can fix it. I can fix it. And I I love that image of him running back and forth saying, (laughs) I can fix it. And that's kind of like what he did with a lot of his work, you know, because he was really reaching out, stepping out to try to do something different. the number became a show-stopping first act finale because he realized that um, you know it it needed that thrilling it's a musical Mm -hmm. (laughs) it has to be above and it needed uh, as a background for Jerry Orbach's you know very bittersweet scene
2: More than once, actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void web prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website
3: for details. Now tell me about your neck, though. Was there a lot of chiropractic oh, I, yes, visits I have and the, PT, yeah they Right? Oh, my God. Oh, my, they, my goodness. Yeah, (laughs) I don't go
4: to chiropractors anymore. I've had too many adjustments in my my neck, I think. Oh, my
3: gosh.
6: It's still
4: there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: Amazing. Well, jumping forward a couple of years in the timeline, um, you were there for the famous sessions uh, in January and February 1974 uh, when Michael got a whole bunch of dancers together to talk about their lives and their experiences. Um, Do you remember those nights. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. was there at the time any sense that that Michael had that this was you know geared towards becoming a musical or was it just well, an I, experiment? Was it a, a, an interesting... I think it was
4: a big experiment, right. but I think he was definitely d- uh, determined to make it something important mm. for uh, artistically. Uh, and I think he had musical in mind. I mean, he made the statement... Um, because he didn't know. He said, I don't know if this is going to be a book, a movie, whatever, you know, I think, but I didn't, I really felt that Mm. he wanted it to be, because I had been privy to um, efforts he made to um, create a musical about dancers before, and he was talking about using the idea of the Robin set for Afternoon of a Fawn, something that, a setting that could be an empty stage and dancers mm-hmm. could walk in, and without any dialogue, you could hear, you could you could see, rather, the relationships, and that was a beginning of something. And uh, so I knew that he had something in mind, so yeah. yeah.
6: Hmm. Wow.
4: But nobody could have known, even Michael at that point, um, the direction, even after the workshop, it was awful. <laughs> Not until they got... Focus, but by awful I mean the result at that point. It was still kind of experimental, but Mm. elements of it were just brilliant, and that's what Joe Papp saw and championed it um, because he saw the essentially what it what it was, and Mm. he had great feeling about it, and so that's Mm. it just kept growing. Luckily, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) well, that original cast is so iconic. Not just because you know you all oh, created yeah. the roles, but you know that image of the line, right, is just seared into yeah. everyone's yeah. you know idea of what Broadway is and what a chorus line was. Yeah, can um, you
4: imagine auditioning for those people, <laughs> right, with your with your own dialogue that you set at the session? <laughs> right, you're reading your life, and you're going, I don't know. And some people didn't get their part. Right. Well, that was going to be my question,
0: actually. Is yeah, is, you some know, people
4: didn't get it, and it's their life. <laughs> So, but they did a tour, a national company later mm-hmm. So everybody eventually they're... got to play them. Yeah, got to yeah. play yeah. their
0: yeah. lives. Like, Mit-
4: like Mitzi Hamilton.
0: Yeah. yeah. So there were auditions though for the. ones oh, yeah. that Got up to the public. That
3: is a lot of therapy right there, right? Like, like I'm I mean, not good enough a... for my own life. What do you <laughs> mean? Like that? That's, that's really strange. <laughs>
4: you audition for your own life and you don't you didn't get it. Get it? <laughs>
3: Rejected. I know. <laughs> but, it's oh my the gosh. Ultimate rejection. Wow. That's fascinating.
6: <laughs>
2: Tits. Am I going to grow tits? Secret. My whole life was a secret. Goodbye, 12. Goodbye, 13. Hello, hello.
0: What do you remember about that that first performance at the Newman?
4: I, You know, I, I remember that it was a relief and thrilling, and it was just because we were, I called us the Hot House Tomatoes, because we were so insular <laughs> in our work. You know, it was like, and you just don't, you're, you're just so, you know, at that point, and this is longer than any Broadway show I rehearsed for. This is going weeks and weeks right. and weeks, then we took a break and we came back and did weeks and weeks and weeks. So we were ready to open, and or preview, and uh, it, was, uh, it was, I don't remember being elated or excited. I think I was, and I think the fact that there was acceptance. But then we had a hard road going through previews because things, changes were being made, and once they almost booed me off the stage because I came in like Betty Bacall, like I wasn't a part of the group, and waving a $10 bill saying, anybody got change for a 10? You know, that thinking. was your entrance. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I said, Michael, you are killing me. You're giving me. You're trying to make me like give me an entrance, and it's they hate me. It's like Charles Nelson Reilly. Remember him? Of course. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. He was my. Uh, he was in How to Succeed, and I had an image of uh, at that point in time of 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 Charles coming off stage. Um, after playing Frump, you know, and he would, part of his character, but he felt it, he would go, they hate me, they <laughs> hate me, and I would be standing in the wings, you know. I kind of felt like that coming off in a, right. the beginning of a chorus line, you right. know. Wow. But you know, that you learn, if you're allowed to make mistakes, you learn. And then if you're smart and brilliant like Michael was, you you know how to fix it.
5: Right, because Cassie famously didn't get the job originally, correct? Yeah, and yeah. that was another thing that was pointed out and because, then changed.
4: Because again, he was trying to be to honor what he thought would be the truth of right. the situation. Right, he was brave enough to say that I wouldn't hire her, and a situation in his life actually happened like that, and he shared it with all of us the first night or one of the one of the nights um, that this happened. Where he um, a, a, a young dancer? Well, she wasn't that young. She had already been in a you know, a star in a movie. She came back to New York, and when he was choreographing the Millikan show, and she wanted, she needed a job. And he looked at her and he said, "I'm sorry, I can't. I can't hire you. You're overqualified." And she said, "What? I need a job." Mm-hmm. And he said, "I just can't have you in the room every day because I look at you and I will see." Failure. And he shared that with us, and I went, wow, Mm -hmm. that's how ambitious he was. But he was able to bring that feeling, that truth, into the story, which I thought was really, really, really brave. And so that he followed through on that. And then Marsha Mason, of course, was a famous story that goes around that she. Uh, married to Neil Simon at the time and he was helping us perk it up a little bit um, she followed the through line of Cassie and she said oh no you 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 have to she has to get it because then nobody wins mm. Zach doesn't win he doesn't learn anything and and she needs that second chance and everybody does you know
5: were you happy that that change was made
4: Oh yes <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if it, it would have it if it and I'm I mean this, if it would have worked for the show better the other way, I'm I'm, you know, it's fine. Right. That's that's what you do. You do what's right for the show, but when Marcia saw it, when when Cassie didn't get it, that means that he was stuck in his unresolved conflict. And then the audience, whether they could analyze that or not, they were so depressed, they just walked out of the theater, you know? And it was a very strong feeling that everyone felt, so... And clearly that affects
5: the, the finale, right? That that affects one. If you it affects go, everything, if you go, yeah. yeah and then, mm-hmm. Right, so it's a, it's a complicated thing.
4: You want a happy... That's why the, it's a beautiful human experience. You want a happy ending, but there's, you know, because... Joyce Van Patten, who's a wonderful actress, was a friend. She saw it early on and and she said, you know, I was so excited to see the finale. It was so beautiful. And then she goes, Is that all there is? Is that it? Is that what they're doing this for? Yes. just a great a great time you know just a great great time and then to it progressively got even better because everybody was then fraught with is it it gonna move because sometimes when you move these beautiful pieces um, in a bigger venue it doesn't doesn't work translate right and so uh, it moved brilliantly I mean it was just you know so it just kept getting better better and now, I'll just bring you back to the moment. I'm excited because it, it, it's still going. I have a you know, a new podcast show, and I had, uh, for my first show, was uh, Kelly Bishop, Bjork Lee, and Priscilla Lopez. And it's, it was so funny because we were talking about how nobody really knew, you know, um, but as it went on. And, and now, Bjork who has single-handedly you know, taken Chorus Line around the world about four or five times, um, I got excited. I'm going to fly wow. over because Antonio Banderas, mm-hmm. okay? Yes. Yeah, yes. gorgeous. He's playing Zach in Spanish. Wow. And he's, oh he's yes. And it's Octo- the end of October. He has built, he has contributed to uh, build a theater in his um, uh, birth town of Malaga, Spain, and it's just being finished and A Chorus Line will be the first musical, uh-huh. the first production in the theater. And Bayerk's already over there, it has been over there uh, auditioning and uh, choreographing and Louis v- Villabon, who was her assistant. And yeah, so, and I'm going to uh-huh. go see it, when but look it at all these
5: years, oh, right. it's, it's still mm. going strong. Yeah, it's a big full circle moment.
0: Yeah. When does this
4: production open? Uh, I think October 25th.
5: Wow, mm, that's fantastic.
3: Yeah. Well, I
0: saw it at City Center last year. They did it for the gala. Yes, yes. And it Fabulous. was like it was a brand new show. I mean, the audience reaction to yeah. it was you Yeah, so you went nuts for it. I remember oh, I did. you loved yeah. it. Oh, yeah,
4: it's incredible. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Were, yeah. were you able to catch that? Or? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my God, it was great.
0: <laughs> well, I'm curious to know, um, jumping forward again a little bit, uh, in September 1983, of course, Line famously became the longest running show in Broadway history. And Michael produced that gala performance with you know uh, all sorts of uh, folks popping up uh, throughout the night, and you danced the music in the mirror again with eight other Cassies or seven other Yes, he had us.
4: He brought companies from all over mm. uh, to participate, and we had you know the white tent covered all of Schubert Alley. The Booth Theater was all the dressing rooms. People dressed on the stage. Uh, you know, it was coordinated really well. Mm. Um, they built steel um, things in the in the basement. You know, uh, poles to hold the stage up because at one point in the finale, there were over 400 people on stage doing. You know, hat up, no hat, no hat, hat, no hat, (laughs) the legs and everything. And then the audience went nuts when all of a sudden dancers emerged and came down the aisles and were following us and up in the balcony. And Mm. it was just um, uh, incredible. It was just a great, I haven't seen anything before or since like Mm. that. It was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. He knew how to put on a show. Yes, (laughs) he did.
3: part of the legendary paper mill production of Follies in 1998 and um, I would I hope uh, you don't mind me reading you what um, Times critic Ben Brantley said about you he said Miss McKechnie is beyond fault The sweet, embattled over-eagerness that has characterized her performances since her Tony-winning role in A Chorus Line has never been so appropriately or affectingly used, nor has her voice, which marvelously plums the torchy despair of the ballad losing my mind, ever seemed richer or more controlled. End quote. And um, you've said that Stephen Sondheim knew you as a singer first. That's right. So was playing Sally a nice homecoming of sorts, working on this song. Oh, I mean, it was...
4: uh, It was one of the greatest, you know, when you look back, when you've been in show business Mm -hmm. for a long time, you you look back and there are just a few highlights, you know, and that certainly is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, my first audition as a singer was for Sondheim and George Abbott for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Mm -hmm. Forum Mm -hmm. for the National Company. Yeah, and when I auditioned for that show uh, at at Paper Mill, um, I never thought... In a million years that they would see me as Sally. And I, I defeated myself when I went in because I was auditioning for Phyllis. But and and I got, you know, and they were h- gonna hire me as Phyllis because I just done it uh, for the BBC at the Drury Lane, you know, as a recording. Mm-hmm. And so I felt very confident at that audition and I could, Phyllis, okay, great. And then Sondheim said, No, she's she's Sally, she's not Phyllis. <laughs> And to hear that, that he said that, I just burst into tears because it's like I thought he saw me and I wouldn't even let myself. I, you know, that was my heart's desire, and I couldn't even give it to myself.
2: I dim the lights and think about you. Spend sleepless nights to think about you. You said you loved me, or were you just being kind? Or am I losing my mind?
4: It was a just a wonderful experience, the whole cast. Mm-hmm. I mean there are shows in your life, I'm sure you know yes. that you know, the, there's usually a, a very loving group of people because we're all kind of pulling together, but um, that cast was exceptional hmm. Lillian Montefecchi, Kate Ballard, Phyllis Newman, and Miller.
2: Does no one know it's like I'm losing? All afternoon, doing every little chore, the thought of you stays bright. Sometimes I stand in the middle of the floor, not Bye.
5: Outside of the original cast of Follies, I don't think you will ever find a better, more suited cast than the Paper Mill Playhouse cast. And that, that cast was exceptional.
4: Well, as a group, yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, because they're individual. You know, it's like it, it, that, it, it's I've seen some wonderful performances in that show, you know, from different people and different productions. But as a whole, right. that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that was I a met. great.
5: It was a glorious, glorious. I stood in the back of the theater that night because it was sold out you couldn't get a ticket towards yeah. the end of the run so I very right. fortunately and we got
4: the recording yes. it was also a big heartbreak for for everyone I've learned not to um, to keep moving forward and not look back you know mm-hmm. these things happen rejection but we had a um, it was heartbreaking for Anne for me to see that she was so uh, accepted I mean she people loved her and we had a theater, we had a producer, we had the money, and we couldn't move because of some glitch. And so it was mm. dead, except for the recording. And I think it just broke her heart, you know?
5: She yeah. wanted to come in to Broadway. She
4: knew that this, oh, yeah. yeah. This. She knew that this would be her last show, and she wanted to go mm. out in that great way, you know? Yeah. Of course. Anyway, showbiz. Uh,
0: speaking of showbiz... um, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we podcast, are. Right? Um, <laughs> I believe it was in 1980 um, you were diagnosed with arthritis and told that you would never dance again. Oh, that's a big musical number right, right there. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Which
4: calls to mind
0: almost, you know, Zach's question in a chorus line. What do yes. you do when you can't dance anymore? Um, but what's I amazing, didn't see that coming right? at that point in time, I'll tell you. Right. Well, well what's amazing is that you did dance again. Yes, Right. And very famously came back to a chorus line in 1986. That's right. Um, That's when I. No when I, Yeah. Pardon me. It's <laughs> no easy feat, you know, doing that number. In No. no. <laughs> I'm wondering what was it like, especially having been in that original company and, you know, it was so iconic and such a sensation to come back almost more than a decade later. It was
4: scary for me because it would have been hard in, in, in any circumstance, but because I had been unable to not just dance, but not even move, not walk, you know, and to take myself through that journey and come out the other side of it. And then Bayork, who was my angel on earth, you know, called me in in LA where I was living and said, you know, I have this tour going out, and and I, I would love for you to do it. And um, and I said, I haven't, I can't, I, I haven't danced in so long. I was recovering, and I was back to you know class, but I just thought that's it. And she said, uh, I really want you to do it. And I said, Well, I, I don't know if I can do it. And she goes, You have three months. She was like, By your, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I went, Okay. So she gave me the challenge and challenge, and I I dove in, and so. It would have been hard anyway, you know, because sure. ten years later. But the things that you don't know that you that are positive were were just so many. Uh, one that I gave that show had been running for so long, so to go back to the same theater, the same production, except the same costume but different one, um, with a different cast. I gave them an opening night. In other words, my opening. They would, had been doing it. I don't know how long they would just move them in, move them out. So they had a proper opening for the New York Times, and that was great. Right.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, it was a happy because the show had been established, and it was a, a happy, happy time. The first time out, because we're doing that painful creating part and, and hits and misses, it was not always comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was there's a lot of strife, mm-hmm. in and out, you know. So this was one of those great. Chances? How many chances do we get, really, to go back and to do something again? Hmm. As a woman, um, the positive thing was the fear started subsiding when I re- realized that I was a much more complete human being at that point. I was able to detach myself without trying to And leave the part in the dressing room and go have dinner with friends and have and have a great time. You know, enjoy my life. I had done enough work on myself, in other words, and also physically, because I was more whole and more relaxed, my dancing was better. It was less uh, frantic. It had more strength in some ways and stamina. Okay, you don't kick as high, you don't jump as high, you don't do you know, turn as many times, but. You gain something mm-hmm. else and the acting and singing was so much better so mm-hmm. I love I that remember.
0: yeah I was reading the um, oral history of uh, courseland uh, the longest line book and there's a section about your return and uh, you know every cast member that they talked to about it just raves about how it injected such an energy into the show and how what, what a lift it was for a show that had been running for yeah you know, it was re- years.
4: I was very grateful to yeah. be have that chance mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
0: A chance to dance.
4: That's right, chance to dance. <laughs> Blimey,
2: the music. Blimey,
6: the music.
3: You had brought up your that you're hosting your own podcast, and I was wondering uh, on the Broadway Broadway Podcast Network Broadway soon. Podcast. That's Netflix right. Yep. Um, and what can you tell us about it? Well, the, it's
4: called The Ladies Who Lunch, As of course, excellent. Title. We would know that that's an <laughs> homage to our musical theater and Um and uh, and it's really kind of finding itself. But what I what I wanted it to be is to be at um, not retro, but but like bring some of the good old days, the older and, and, the, and being modern women. So I wanted to do it for, at this point in time, women who have had longevity in their career and have something to say and are still going strong. In other words, they're still working. Nobody has given it might be the same for men too but i I'm, I'm a woman so i'm speaking from that point of view and i know in the in our popular culture of this country you know women there's no playbook for how you negotiate your career after 55 60 mm mm-hmm there's less work, you have to initiate, you have to redesign, you have to rethink, or you go from acting into directing. Or co- So it's, it's in, I'm inviting women who have longevity and are, who do many things, uh, not just actors, but um, writers, directors, anybody in show business. And we, it's at Sardis, filmed at Sardis, like reminds me of those old days at El Morocco and the Stork Club when they would, you know, Sherman Billingsley. And I went, I've got to get a little of that flavor because after all, Sardis is the heart of the theater district and um, everybody goes there. Or so many celebrations have happened mm-hmm. there and and so many of friends, old friends are on the wall. And uh, it's just a reminiscent, It's very nice. And the first show I did, I had all these questions that... And of course, I said, first question, asked them the first question, and they just went off. And I went, oh my God, women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They'll just, all you gotta yeah. do is like,
5: it's a thing. I it happens. <laughs> yes. The more you prepare, <laughs> right, the less right. you actually <laughs> use. use yes. yeah. But it's good. <laughs> and when does it start? When does it when does it launch?
4: I think in September, in September sometime. And yeah. it's
5: and we should also point out that it's filmed and it's audible. So you'll we'll right. be able to watch it and or listen to right. it depending on right. how you want to And get Matthew your media.
4: Sklar, one of my favorite composers, yes. uh, oh. did our little theme music. Oh, that's great. Oh my god, it's so adorable. Well, we look oh, forward to I it. I can't wait yeah. to subscribe. Thank you for mentioning it. I can't it. wait. Well, of yeah. well, we have one
5: final question that okay. we ask everyone. And that question is, what was that thing that made you want to become a, an actor, become a dancer? Was there a moment?
4: Um, I I just remember the stories in a chorus line through another character. But I just, uh, I think it's when I first heard classical music, or I heard any music, you know, Helen O'Connell singing, you know, the war songs on radio, and I would just get up and start dancing, just a little baby, you know, like two, three years old. And I just started moving to the music. And uh, when I first went to my first little ballet class um, with folding chairs, you know, as the bar, and there was a screechy old record, you know, 78 of uh, Chopin, and I heard that, and and it was just, that changed my life, I think. Well, so thank I'm, I'm, g- I'm glad <laughs> it did
6: because
5: it changed all of our lives. Uh, yes. yeah.
3: Thank so, you. Thank well, you so
4: much for this is great fun. Thank you for coming down. You're a wonderful
3: Thanks. guest. We're so honored to have you.
4: Oh, it's my pleasure.
0: Rob here with You May Be Wondering. During our conversation with Donna, I mentioned that she first met Michael Bennett while working on Hullabaloo. You may be wondering, just what is Hullabaloo? I know I certainly did the first time I heard about it. Well, taking a step back in time to the 1950s and 1960s, you have to remember that variety shows and programs based around live performance were all the rage. Hullabaloo was a big-budget TV series that ran on NBC for two seasons from 1965 to 1966, a variety show running in primetime. It was NBC's answer to the popular ABC show, American Bandstand, hosted by Dick Clark, which no doubt you've heard of. Directed by Steve Bender, Hullabaloo was billed as a fast-paced song, dance, and comedy variety hour, showcasing young talent from Hollywood, Broadway, television, nightclubs, and recordings, and featuring a rotating celebrity host like Sammy Davis Jr., Frankie Avalon, or Liza Minnelli, who would perform a few of their own standards, then introduce a guest act like James Brown, The Supremes, or The Rolling Stones, a hit parade of the top 40 songs. Typical of such musical variety shows of the time, Hullabaloo had its own team of in-house dancers, four men and four women known as the Hullabaloo Dancers, who performed on the show on a regular basis to choreography by David Winters, doing popular dances like The Jerk and The Monkey behind the guest act. Since the show filmed in New York, it's only natural that those dancers would be sourced from Broadway, and so it is that Donna McKechnie and Michael Bennett found themselves cast on Hullabaloo. After meeting, while doing The Jerk, Donna asked Michael what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he quickly shot back, a choreographer. Little did they know then that they were sowing the seeds for making musical theater history together. Not much video remains of the 48 episodes of Hullabaloo, but fortunately, the legacy of Donna McKechnie and Michael Bennett echoes forth to the present, a collaboration first forged in NBC's famed Studio 8H.
5: I mean, I can read it if you. No, I'm happy to read it. If you're done working. No. Wow.
3: (laughs) Some shade in the pink room.
5: (laughs) Shady lady.
3: Shade in the pink room. Okay. Jennifer here. That's our show. Thanks for listening. You can hear us anytime on iTunes. The Fabulous Invalid is a production of O&M Etc. and The Fabulous Invalid LLC and a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. Our theme music is by Lucky Chops. Today's episode was edited and engineered by Aaron Kaufman. Find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at Fabulous Invalid and on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday.